But we are in a uh, series called The List, and um, it's out of Second uh, Peter chapter 1. And so basically what we've been talking about is imagine if, if there was a list that God created for us to say, listen, if, if you want to have your life go better, I guess, or if you want to um, get past struggles so you're not just kind of meandering on through life, God has given us in Second Peter this list of things that kind of build on each other. And the whole point of the list is that we would end up, essentially we would participate in the divine nature. And that's what the scripture says. It says that we will participate in the divine nature. And what we've been talking about, kind of our big thing, is that life is more than coping. Like life is not, a life with Christ is not meant to be just kind of meandering through, kind of, oh man, if I can just get past this, and if I could just get past that, and if I, if I could just get past this marriage. And, and some of us, it's like, if we could just get to retirement, you know, I, I, if I, could just, I can cope through life once I get to retirement because I know the government's going to have a huge Social Security check waiting for me. That's going to take care of all my needs. I'm so excited. I just can't wait for, for the government to take care of me. So uh, life is more than coping. So we, we've been going through this list of, of, of what God has for us, and they, they all build on each other. As a matter of fact, it says if these are yours and are increasing, they render you neither unproductive or ineffective. So, so now we get this idea that not only is life more than coping, but we're supposed to be productive and effective, which is kind of the exact opposite of, of coping. It's almost like conquering. If you want like a pastor, everything has to start with the same letter. It's not coping, it's conquering. So the first thing we talked about was goodness. And uh, with goodness, we talked about this idea that it, it also means moral excellence, and, and so the beginning of the list, kind of the thing starting out, is that we start to get this idea that God has a plan for us that might include holiness. It might include, essentially that word goodness means moral excellence. And so the, at the beginning of the list, it's like, you know what? If we want to get through life and it's more than just coping, it, it, it's going to involve some life change. It's going to involve some things that affect our lives. And so kind of the thing with that was that being obedient matters. That was the first thing we talked about. Being obedient matters. It's not just like we're, I know we're saved by grace and we talk about that all the time here and we are saved by grace. But once that happens, there's a, there's a standard that God begins to put on our lives and empowers us to, to fulfill it. So we talked about being obedient matters. And then we talked about, after that, we talked about knowledge. And um, in knowledge, we talked about you can have information and not apply it. Then your information is useless. Or you could really want to apply something and have no information, in which case that information is useless. And we talked about that happening to us all the time. We labor through something, we make all these kind of mistakes, and someone goes, oh, you should have asked me, I know how to do that. Well, their information is useless because we didn't have it at the, at the time we needed it. And so we talked about what does this word knowledge mean when it comes to being a Christian? And Paul summed it up, and we kind of spent a lot of time on this one verse that just says, I want to know Christ. That knowledge is about knowing Christ. And so uh, for that, we talked about this here. To know Christ is to become like him. If those people who know Christ the, the best, we kind of look at their lives, we look at them and we go, man, they're, they're like Christ. So we went from knowledge uh, to self-control. And we talked about the guy who was a lawyer. He, he went through um, his undergrad, then he went to grad school, then he got his PhD, and he's a lawyer, and he wakes up at 4.30 in the morning, and he works out for an hour, and, uh, and, and then he drives to work, and he's always on time, and he always eats just right, and then he comes home, and um, he, he eats the perfect meal when he gets home, because he's also a nutritionist, and a, a gourmet chef, and then he makes his dinner, and then he uh, maybe has another workout again, or reads a book from the New York Times bestseller list, and then he goes to bed at the same time, and we say, man, does that guy have self-control? And we all go, yeah, man, I, I, I wish I lived, I wish I had that much self-control. And we kind of discussed a little bit, does he really? Like, is that the self-control that Christ desires from us? I mean, if he's got anger issues, right? If he can't stand his boss, if he's cussing all the way through traffic, he gets there on time, but he's irate. If he's just super proud of his body, like he's like, man, he works out because it's just, he just wants to look awesome all the time. Like, all of a sudden we start to go, maybe self-control means something else. And 
And it does. Self-control is being controlled by Christ. Like, Like all of a sudden, when Christ gets a hold of your life, those things that were important to us, maybe God goes, you know what, I'd like you to give that up for a little bit. You'll get, but I wake up at 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning, I work out for an hour. I mean, I got a lot of self-control. He goes, you know what? I, I want that out of your life for a while. I want you to maybe focus on something else. And so we talked about how self-control really is our reaction to Christ's control. Can we make those changes that God is asking us to make? This morning, uh, we're going to talk about perseverance, right? And so this was, as I was studying this this week, um, I... Uh, Man, what a bummer this topic is. Perseverance, because it, it like means, it, it, always, it doesn't always mean struggle, kind of. It, I mean, it doesn't always mean kind of a, uh, you know, if you're persevering, like you don't persevere through a donut, right? You're not like, like oh, I'm just going to endure, I'm just going to endure this. You, you don't like have a massage and you're just like, man, if I can just get through this massage, I'll be okay. Yeah, we don't do that, right? And so we have, and, and perseverance, and, and, and in the scripture, perseverance and endurance are kind of, they're interchangeable. So as you're reading, we'll, as we read some of these scriptures, we'll see that they're in, uh, interchangeable. But kind of when we talk about perseverance, a lot of times when we talked about this last time, like if I can just make it to retirement, if I can persevere through my job, and maybe some of you are just like a couple years away and you can like taste it. It's just like, oh, and you like start treating your boss a little different. You're like, yeah, I'll get to that, you know, because you start getting this air of confidence that if I can just, if I can just get through these two years, I'm going to be okay. And then, I mean, the last two, listen, I've, I've worked with people who retired. Just don't even come in because you're so annoying those last like months, like the last two months. Like we know you're retiring. Okay, great. You know, you're like tickets to Europe. You know, you're like, okay, bye-bye, right? But so, so you think sometimes you think in terms of that. Sometimes you think in terms of your marriage. You're just like, if I, if I can make it till the kids get out of the house then we can kind of cut this thing short and be done. And we think of endurance that way. I've just like, like I just, I just want to get through it, right? Uh, I love this one. This is uh, Fear Factor. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Fear Factor, but he's covered with worms. I did that just to, you know, hey, is everybody awake? Uh, but like, it's so funny when you watch this show because they have to make it through something like this for just a little bit of time, like two minutes. We're going to cover you with worms. And you find yourself cheering for someone like giving them advice of what you'd do if you were covered with worms. So you're like, they're cheering the person on, plug your nose, you know, you know, you can do it. And, and so some of us have this kind of thing. It's just too, like you have to fire someone at work. I don't know if you've ever had to do that. And you're just like, just, I just got to get through this. It's like, I'm covered with worms. I'm just going to get through this meeting. I'm going to be done. Maybe it's a staff meeting. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a test. Maybe it's the SAT for you. And you're just like, oh man, I want to get through it. Uh, for some of you, it's like this. You know, no matter how hard you push, no matter what you do, it ain't budging. But there's something in you that just says, well, here we go. And you just kind of sit and push and you just know, well, this is my, this is my lot in life. Um, for me, uh, my example of endurance came when I decided to, I made a horrible, horrible decision to, to run a marathon. And um, don't ever do that. It's, a, it's not, it's just not a good idea. So I decided I was in my 30s and I was going to do this. And uh, I know some of you are runners and you run marathons and it's no big deal for you. But for me, this was a huge test. And here's how it went about. I was sitting in a cubicle and uh, the guy in the cubicle next to me said, hey, John, you want to run a marathon? And I said, no, not really. He's like, come on. And this is what he says. <laughs> Honestly, he says, it'll be fun, right? Because he's running before. And I'm like, well... Oh, if it's fun, you know, uh, uh, all right, what's involved? So he gives me this sheet of paper that shows me my training res- regimen. I'm like, this is fun? Like, and he's like, no, no, really, you, you'll get used to it. And you run these eight mile things. And eight miles becomes like, you don't even think about eight miles. You're like, oh, good. I, I remember doing this too. Oh, good. It's an eight mile day. Right now, that would, I, my hamstring almost pulled just saying that. But you, you, you kind of go and you, you train, you train, you train. So it was the day of the race. And I had a cold, and I had never run. They tell you to run, like, an 18-mile one and then, like, another one. And I, I'm like, who needs that other one? I ran 18 miles. I can muscle out another 8.2 because 8, I mean, that's so easy. So 
the race starts, and we get going, and um, I'm, I'm jamming along, and I'm thinking, this is pretty cool, you know? I get to a half marathon, I'm like, I could run these backwards. I could run a half marathon all day long. And so I'm running, I get super cocky. They're like, I'm passing up water stations, like, no, don't need one, I'm all set. And here's the great thing. I, this is so awesome. I had a fanny pack. Uh, no, I look really good in a fanny pack. Uh, I had this fanny pack. And it had two of those gels, like, you know, those things. And my cell phone, which at the time was like this big, okay? Because you might need to call someone. I, mean, I don't know what I was thinking, but I had this cell phone. And it was flopping around, and it started getting, it just started, like, bugging me. It was, like, flapping. So, so, so you know, like, at mile five, I'm like, a big deal. But it just kept, like, hitting me. A marathon is a long, long way come to find out. And so every little thing ends up bugging you. And my mom sent me this thing about uh, you're supposed to put petroleum jelly uh, like, in, like uh, on you. And uh, honestly, don't be offended or send me emails, but, but she's like, you put, ba- ba- put Band-Aids on your nipples because they chafe, okay? So I'm like, I'm not running with politicians. I, I just want to get through the marathon. I, so they've got petroleum jelly, taped up nipples, all this kind of stuff. I, I'm not doing any of that. That's ridiculous. So at mile 20, I have, a, I have a good picture here. Mile 20, they call this thing the wall. <clears throat> and anyone who's run it has hit this wall. Uh, when I was training, I hit it at mile two. But um, you're running along, minding your own business, and it's like, it's like all of a sudden the guy behind you just kind of grabs onto your shirt and just gets dragged. You just feel like you can't go any farther. And three things happened to me at the same time. Four things. One, I hit the wall. And I went, oh, man. The second thing that happened to me right at that time was a little person ran past me. Okay? I'm not kidding. I was running. I'm like, oh, man, I can't go on. And I looked over, and I'm like, what? And then then this guy, and I'm not telling you, I mean, it was this guy. This Elvis guy ran by me. And I'm like, I'm hallucinating. Like, I'm, I'm, t- I'm going crazy. I'm going insane. I can't, I remember thinking this, I can't go one more step. I can't go on anymore. And then, I'm not kidding you, this lady passed me. She came right up alongside of me. She was, she didn't look quite like that. She was blonde and she had, I, I, I remember, because I was, I was in a daze. She had French manicured fingernails. Her face was, d- like, she had makeup on she had no, she was not sweating. She was in like, probably like a $300 Nike marathon outfit or whatever. I look over and I'm like, are you an angel? Like, I thought it was an angel coming down to swoop me up and take me to Jesus. And, and she looks and she says, we're almost, <laughs> she says, we're almost there. And I'm like, almost where? So I had, I had four, I had like three or four goals. One, I wanted to finish. That's what everyone says their goal is. Like when they want a boy or they want a girl, they just say, I want a healthy baby. But really, they really want a boy. I, 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 I said, I want to finish. That's my number one goal. And then there was some time frame I wanted to finish in. I can't remember what it was, but it, I'd given myself a nice buffer. Trust me. And then my other goal, the one I was super serious about was I didn't want to stop. As long as I don't stop. As long as I just keep running, even if I'm running like this, as long as I don't stop. And when I hit that wall, like the fanny pack might as well have been filled with weights. And it kept slamming against my leg. I mean, it was like someone was running alongside me, just bam, you want some more, right? And then my nipples, and my whole body was chafed. And I'm thinking, why, why did I just put on some bandage? Like, like the whole thing, I, like right then, mile 20, actually, I think for me it was mile 22, it was over. And I remember going, like, I remember just going, ah. Oh. And I thought, I stopped. I stopped. The wanting to finish part, I didn't really care about that. I said that just to make myself, just to have something. Yeah, I just want a healthy baby. I really wanted a boy, right? And it's like, it's that whole thing. It's like, oh man, it's ruined. And so for me, not having the endurance, not having the perseverance, not doing the things I was supposed to do, I ran, I I finished the race, (laughs) you know, great, like, 
you know, behind Elvis, okay? I, I made it, you know? And the Beatles, I think, went past me. I, 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 okay, I finished. I have a medal. I think I threw it out in disgust. But I wanted the endurance. Here's the thing. And the only reason I tell you this story is because it so much is like what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get across to us when it comes to living a life worthy of the gospel and to live a life in the list. As a matter of fact, the scripture, and, and I, I, was, I was joking in the beginning about this idea of perseverance and how, how it was kind of a bummer to study it. Because when you look in the scriptures, I mean, it has words like associated with, uh, with perseverance are words like conflict and like tribulation, okay? Testing, I have them here. Hardships, sufferings, affliction, okay? Persecutions. It's like you're going to get all this stuff. So what you really need is perseverance. What you really need is endurance. And I wrote, I wrote down four things that I, I wanted to talk about that we can kind of see together. And you can write these down if you want. If not, I, I can get them to you later. Uh, these aren't really the main point of what I'm going to say this morning, but they're things to keep in mind as we go through this, uh, this scripture in Hebrews to see uh, what, what do we get. Perseverance is almost always coupled with testing, which is obvious. I talked about earlier, you don't endure through a donut. You don't endure through a massage. You endure and you persevere through some type of testing. The other thing we saw is that perseverance is often connected to reward. In other words, there's a reason to persevere. Always in scripture. There's something, listen, there's something worth it at the end. Now, you go, well, when's, I mean, isn't that the magic question? When's the end? Then I'll decide if it's worth it. The great thing about Scripture is it promises you it is gonna be worth it. If you can endure, if you can persevere, if you can keep going, it's gonna be worth it. The third thing we see is that uh, perseverance is the mark of the mature. Most mature believers uh, we seek are able to endure. As a matter of fact, you could almost make the argument in Scripture that those who can endure the most are the mature the most. That just came to me right now. If you can endure, you are mature. There we go. I just made that up as we go. I'm using it second service, and I'm going to pretend that I had it all week long. Okay, perseverance is a mark of the mature. And the fourth thing we see is that perseverance is something we want to acquire, not avoid. There's something about perseverance that we need desperately. And in the scripture, it's so amazing. There's so many verses about persevering and endurance. You, you kind of get the, the idea of like, man, is, is, is life really this hard? Well, listen, as we've been talking about, life is more than coping. Life is more than just, well, I just can't, I can't make it anymore. Oh, man, forget it. There's, a, there's something about endurance and something about perseverance that allows us to participate in this divine nature. Okay? And so it says, um, perseverance is something we want to acquire. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus in, in Luke chapter 8, he tells this story about the soil. And some soil is like the hard soil and some is thorny soil and some is like a path and the birds come in this. The idea of soil is somebody's life, essentially. And, and it's interesting. The good soil is the person who hears the word, accepts it, receives it with a good heart and bears fruit with perseverance. Like there's something about this divine nature, this, this kind of um, being part of the kingdom of God that allows us to bear fruit with perseverance. In Romans chapter 5, uh, Paul makes this horrible statement. He says, more than that, you know what? I exalt in my tribulations. All those words we read, afflictions, conflicts, hardships, all that kind of stuff. Paul says, I, I, I just exalt in those. I love those things. And you go, really, Paul, why? He says, because they produce endurance. And we need endurance. We need pers- uh, uh, perseverance. I almost said persecution. Well, there we go. So Freudian slip. Uh, and so in, and then in Hebrews, and this is where we're going right now. In Hebrews chapter 10, 11, and 12, all three of these chapters essentially cover this topic. And so we're going to read through all three. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Chapter 10 starts off 
And, and it's talking to this, this church that's being persecuted. And in chapter 10, around verse 30 or so, it, it, it begins to say, listen, you remember, uh, you, the writer of Hebrews says, you remember when you had those conflicts? Remember when you were insulted? And, 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 and in other words, remember back when you, were, when you could handle stuff? He says, remember when you had those conflicts? Remember when they were putting people in jail and, and, and you went and go, you were visiting those people? Maybe you were insulted or the people like you were insulted. The writer of Hebrews says, you guys remember that? He goes, remember? And then he makes this crazy statement. When you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property, like, like the people are coming in and grabbing your stuff and you're like, woo! He goes, remember that? He starts to, he starts to encourage him. You're in need of it. You're in need of endurance. This is what he says at the end of chapter 10. You're in need of endurance. And some of us have those times in our lives where we look back and, and it's like the writer of Hebrews is saying to us, remember when you could handle that? And you're going, yeah, what happened? This is the word perseverance or endurance in the list. And some of us have gotten, we, we, we got the, moral, the goodness down, the moral excellence. Oh, yeah, we want to we do the right thing. We got the, the knowledge down. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Remember that? Yay, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Boo. Like, we, 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 I, I'm, I'm okay with that. And then self-control. I'm, I'm working through these things. But there's something about your life right now that just feels like you're at mile 22, and you look over, and there's Elvis, and you just go, you know what? I can't go on. But what the writer does then, after he talks about this, you need endurance, he says, uh, he says, let me give you just a list of some people, honey. And we call it the hall of faith. But quite honestly, I'm not, I don't have the authority to do this. Uh, but in my own personal life, I'm now dubbing it the, the chapter, the, the hall of endurance. <laughs> because that's they had the faith to endure. They, they made it. They just kept going. And, and the writer talks about Moses. And he talks about how Moses didn't want to be seen as Pharaoh's daughter. So he goes through all this kind of stuff. I mean, Moses got shipped out and then he married this. He was a sheep herder. And all of a sudden, God sees him in a burning bush. And he goes all the way back. I mean, this long thing of endurance. And then he doesn't even get the promised land. He talks about Isaac sacrificing Jacob and he carts him up the hill. And he's just about to sacrifice him there. Endurance. He talks about Abraham and what Abraham did. Then he goes through this list. And I, I just want to just read it real quick. Uh, some of these people, the writer says, and what more shall I say? I don't even have time to tell you about all these people. I'll just breeze through it. Gideon and Barak, um, uh, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel. Then he just goes into these people we don't know. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were, they were, they were persecuted. They were beaten. They were like... And, and, and you, you, you go, man, you start to get this idea. H- how do I get through it? You need perseverance. You need endurance. Well, the question is, the million-dollar question is, well, if I need it so bad, and they had it at one time, how do I get it? How do I get perseverance when I'm going through the stuff I really need to go through? So uh, let's start at uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Okay. Therefore, since we, have, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, these are all those guys and gals who'd been t- sawn in two. And I, I don't know what it is about the sawn in two. It's just the one I think about all the time because I think that would have been my wall that I hit at uh, mile 22. Therefore, since we are surrounded by, such a great, uh, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles right? Let, let, let us just, let us, look, since, since we're surrounded by all these people who are able to do it, let's get rid of everything. We, we have this race that we're going to be running. Let's just throw off that stuff. You know what that sounds a lot like? Doesn't it sound like the self-control we were talking about earlier about getting rid of that stuff? So, so it, just throw off that stuff. And I remember when, when that marathon started, uh, in the beginning, you'd wear all your sweats and they tell you to wear sweats you're, you don't want because you're never going to see them again. And you're like, well, I th- think I, you know, but, but it's so cold in the morning and you have to park so far away. You don't want to take your sweats off and walk in your, you know, running outfit up and wait for the race to start. And so you bring these sweats and I had these really nasty sweats that I got from a cruise ship company that were light blue. 
and it looked like I was about uh, a year away from retirement. And so um, uh, I had those on, and, and when the race starts, all of the sweats just go off of everybody, and they just get, they just get tossed up in the air. It's kind of like confetti at the beginning of the race. It's pretty cool. And then, um, and then they come, and they collect it all and give it to homeless people. It's really cool. But, uh, but that's the idea. It's just like, look, therefore, since we have these guys who made it, these guys and gals who made it, Let's just get rid of anything that's going to get in our way. And, and that's the self-control. Now watch this encouraging thing. Uh, after w- we see self-control, he says this, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now this is why this is so encouraging. There is a race marked out for you. And it might not be my race. And there might be a race marked out for you that's totally different than the person next to you. And this idea of throwing aside every uh, uh, encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, it, it reminds us, see, oftentimes we underestimate sin's power. In other words, we think we can dabble in it a little bit and it'll be okay. And we underestimate sin's persistence. And so, so getting ready for that race, kind of preparing for your day or preparing for your week or preparing for your life is this idea of, look, this is going to be a long haul. And so the things that, that the advice you get about doing different things to prepare for the race, which might seem silly and ridiculous and, oh, you're being prudish and, oh, you know what? I, listen, I've done this before. It's no big deal. It didn't happen to so, nothing happened to so-and-so. That idea, when you're at mile 20, in the race, basically the writer's going, you do not want a fanny pack slapping you in the leg all that time. Get rid of that thing. Don't take it with you. And oftentimes, because we, we underestimate sin's power and we underestimate sin's persistence, we say, well, you know, I think it'll be, I, I'm, it is going to be okay. What if I need to call somebody, you know? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> right? <laughs> His giant brick cell phone run with perseverance the race marked out for you there is a race marked out for you when the holy spirit begins to say hey you know what for you and we talked about this with self-control being controlled by christ for you this is not something you're going to be allowed to do and you look out and you go well the gal with the french nails she works out for her she ain't running your race she's a better runner than you right plus i'll bet she just snuck in right then just to bug me. Okay. All right? All right? So, so what do we do? We have this race. It's marked out for us. Well, how do we know? Well, how do we know what the path is? Like, like and, and all of us come into this thing. It's like we're going through life and we're going, man, how long am I going to be single? Like, like, like I, I can't go. Like, how long is this going to happen to me? How long are these things going to continue to happen to me? Well, it's answered right here. It's so cool. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus is going to be the one. Remember we talked about Jesus being your personal trainer, your coach, the one kind of controlling your life. We, we talked about that. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're not fixing our eyes on the Elvis guy. We're not fixing our eyes on French manicure lady. I'm not fixing my eyes on the Beatles. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus, on the finish line, on where he wants my next step to be, what he wants me to be. I don't have to worry about anybody else running their race. I'm running mine. Because it says in here, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He knows. And sometimes in life, when, when we're facing that same thing and it's going on and on and on, we just look down and we see Jesus at the finish line going, come on, you can do it. I wouldn't have designed, listen, I wouldn't have designed this race for you if I didn't think you could make it, if I didn't know you could make it. But we get sidetracked. We had a track meet yesterday. It was really cool. Uh, my, my daughters, for the first time, because they're different in age, were able to hand the baton off to each other when they were running, which, like, for me, I, I like, so I have pictures of it. I have video of it. I have satellite coverage of it. I've got, like, every, everything of this. Because our whole family had this, had this idea that it was just going to be, like, you know, this beautiful, you know, 
thing, you know, just like the baton coming. But when you're running in a race, it turns out your face does things that you're not expecting it to do. So the pictures didn't, for them, didn't turn out. It ain't going on Facebook. Let's put it that way, okay? So, so, so but I love them. I love the pictures. I love, I love the strain. I love the baton. I got one where, like, one's holding on, the other one's holding on. I'm just like, oh, this is awesome. And then, eh. You know, so anyway. Um, but, but there was this guy, he was running, and, and, and he, was, he was going towards the finish, and he kept looking back to see where everyone was. And I was watching him, and I was there because I was waiting for the race to end, and I, I'm like almost like telling him, dude, don't look around. He'd look at this person, and this person would start catching up, and then he'd look at this person, and this per- person started catching up, and you could actually watch everyone gaining on him, and he was losing his race because he kept looking around. And this is the word God has for us this morning. Stop looking around. Fix your eyes on Jesus, Lord. What do you want to, what do you have for me today? What do you have for me? What am I supposed to shed? What am I supposed to do? What do you have for me? It says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and perfecter uh, of your race. And then it says, um, who for the joy set before him endured, and there's that word endure or persevere. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Remember I told you every perseverance seems to, have a, seems to have a reward? And in the midst of the perseverance, you think to yourself, there's no way this is gonna be worth it. I wonder how many times Jesus was like, from the time he was, let's say, 26, and he's just doing the right thing, doing the right thing. He has no sin, doing the right thing, doing the right thing, 27, 28, 29, 30, where he's just like, you know what? <laughs> I think I'm just going to get a girlfriend. Like, like, like what, what do you think he went through? He made it. Now watch what it says. It says, it goes on, and it says, Consider him, another, meditate on him, reflect on him, who endured such opposition from sinful men. In other words, it wasn't just his own life. People were opposed to him at the same time he was sinless. It says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. So listen, that you will not grow weary, and lose heart. I think if I wasn't so interested in all the people passing me, honestly, when I think back on this, and let me tell you, I ain't running another marathon to like go. I, I think I've learned. I've learned never to run another marathon. But, but, but I think if I, looking back, if I just stayed focused, because I only had six miles to go. I didn't look around. I didn't do anything. I just, I just, I think I would have had a better shot. But anyway, it says, consider him who endured such opposition. Reflect on him so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, then the writer kind of just turns it into big boy talk for for all of us. It's really discouraging what he writes next, but it's an encouragement to us. I'll I'll show you how, because you're not allowed to say that as a pastor. It says, because you say, oh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing better. I'm doing much better. Great. That's not the standard. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. (laughs) Like, you think you're doing great? You think you're resi- You're not even close. It says, and you've forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. And so you go, oh, okay. We've been talking about perseverance. God, through the writer of Hebrews, is going to give me a word of encouragement. What do you think it's going to be? That a boy. Keep up, keep up the good work. Better luck next marathon. Oh, too bad. You know, like, like, what is the word of encouragement? Check out this word of encouragement. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Okay, that doesn't sound very encouraging. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Not very encouraging. Because the Lord disciplines, okay, we're starting to get a thing here, those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. I don't know about you, but if you said, hey, brother, I got the gift of encouragement, man. I just wanted to encourage you. And you're like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you need to be disciplined, rebuked, and punished. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Wow, I feel a strange warming in my heart. I appreciate that. You do have the gift of encouragement, right? We would call that the gift of like a prophet would come in and do that. But here's the thing, and here's where we're going to turn it uh, around as we kind of wrap it up. Here's the thing. God views this race entirely differently than we do. 
This is what it means to participate in the divine nature. It's to be kingdom-mindedness, uh, to have a kingdom mind, to understand. That, like when, we, when they said, teach us to pray, he said, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Christ understood this perfectly. He was not of this world, and he calls us to be resident aliens in this world. That maybe the discipline and the rebuke and the punishment is to go, you don't need that. Get it away. It's for your own good. He goes on, he says, uh, and and here's kind of our point for this morning. If you fill out the the points of uh, uh, each week, we have one point, and this point is... um, there's no shortcut to becoming like Christ. I have that on there. I didn't put it on there. There's no shortcut to becoming like Christ. You can't do it. There's a you're saved by grace, okay? But to become like Christ, to, to participate in the divine nature, there is a sense of that enduring, making it through, continuing to go on, to go on, to go on. Because God knows as, your, as a son and a daughter, he knows what it means to participate in the divine nature. And it is better. So he goes on, he says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son does not dis- is not disciplined by his father, right? W- what would we call a father that just lets his son run amok? We call him a bad father. What son is there is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. And then he talks about we have earthly fathers and they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, right? He says our fathers disciplined us for a little while. What what? as they thought best, but God, now listen to this, this is the key. God disciplines us for our what? Good or benefit? Our good, our benefit. Why? This this is so key, guys. This is the most important thing to understand. As you're going through this stuff, God is allowing it for your benefit. Now, some of us are going through stuff that we got ourselves into. I mean, you know what I mean? It's just like, God, why are you doing this to me? He's like, I don't know. You're running the wrong race. I had you over here. You were just going to run. It was just a walkathon, <laughs> And you just, you just put yourself in like a triathlon. What'd you do that for? With your finances or your relationships or whatever. You know, he's like, get, quit that race. That's a terrible race. Come over to this one, right? So, so sometimes we get in our own thing. But as we're kind of going through life and we're going, man, I feel like I'm doing all the right things. Isn't it interesting? It's so interesting to me that perseverance comes after self-control. You'd think if you were self-controlled, you wouldn't have to have any perseverance because there'd be so much blessing. Like, oh, I'm doing all the right things. I am totally self-controlled. I'm being controlled by Christ. The scriptures teach the exact opposite. As Christ controls you, you are going to go through certain things. And then, and then he just makes this unbelievably like, obvious statement. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. <laughs> like, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. But this is really important to remember. That discipline, and it's not even harsh discipline. It might not even be punishment. Remember, that was a different word. This idea of God going, you know what? I'm going to have you go through this for a while. I'm going to have you go through this for a while. This training, this growing, this, this conquering. You, you begin to, now that eight miles is just nothing. Whereas before you were like, how am I even going to run eight miles? And then 15 miles and then 20 miles. As you begin to train, as God begins to allow you to go through these things and push through these things. And as we do it, there's a reward at the end. We go, well, tell me what the reward is and I'll tell you if it's worth it. The promise of God is that it's worth it. You don't even need to know. It might be in this lifetime. It might be in the next lifetime. But, but oftentimes, because it says it's painful, we want it to end. And we talked about perseverance as something that we, don't, we, we, we want to acquire, not, not get rid of. And so some of us right now are in this painful part and we're going, like David did. David, David was doing all the right things. He killed Goliath. He was all that, and he was ready to go. And Saul comes out to try and kill him. And he has a chance to kill Saul. He doesn't. And, and he won't let any of his men kill Saul. He's doing the right thing. And in Psalm chapter 13, he says to God, essentially, he just says, how long? How long? 
How long are we going to go through this? God, really? You want me in this marriage? Like, how long do I have to go through this? You know, on financial times, maybe through no fault of your own, you're just going, how long? Maybe you had a life's dream. You're going to become something here, and you find yourself here, and you're like, what in the world? How long am I going to go through this pain? Maybe you're struggling with something right now, some, something from your past, and you have shame, or you've got something that's just tweaking you or whatever, and you're going, God, this never used to bother me. Like, how long am I going to go through this? How long are my kids going to be acting like that? <laughs> my kids are awesome, so I don't know. Now watch. Here's the thing. We don't know how long. I don't know how long you're going through your thing. I, uh, most of you know my son has epilepsy. We say this all the time. How long, Lord? How long? How long are we going to keep doing this? I don't know. But listen to this. This promise is so encouraging. It says this. Later on. Later on. It doesn't give a time frame. Might be tomorrow, might be next week, might be a year from now. It might be when you die. <laughs> I don't know, later on. However, listen to this. It produces a harvest. A harvest. Listen, of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. A harvest of righteousness and peace. 